This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast. I am your host, Cameron Tumtai. I'm joined by Alex Holbrook and Dr. Justin Quinn. We have a lot to talk about. We have uh, some more recent losses to digest. And then the lab portion of the programming, we're going to look ahead to the All-Star game, as well as a few uh, interesting matchups. And to help us break all that down, we welcome in our friend, Michael Mulford, Bullswire, and SI's DallasBasketball.com. Mike, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, so uh, you are a colleague of Justin and mine over at USA Today, but you also cover the Mavericks and the Bulls and the Celtics play the Mavericks and the Bulls uh, over the next few days. So you are the yes. perfect man for this week. Um, yeah, glad to be here. You just got engaged? Uh, I did last year. The wedding is in, uh, I believe, 50 days. 50 days? Wow. So yeah, it's, it's coming up quick. Thank you. Thank you. And the only news that will uh, eclipse that is Justin finally moved. Justin, round of applause. <laughs> um, I have stuff behind me that looks different. Yes. Super yeah. exciting. The YouTube, the YouTube fans are going nuts. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, Cameron. You know me as always. Excited to get back to our basketball league. Different location this time. Feeling good. Yeah. Big basketball game on Tuesday for uh the Boston boys. All right, Mike, we're here to not talk about apartments or Alex and my men's league. Uh, we're here to talk about Boston Celtics, the Bulls, the Mavericks, and All-Stars. But we'll start, as we like to do, with the news. And the news is muddy, I guess is the right word. Um, since we last had an episode, Boston had a gutsy win against the Clippers, which we can talk about. But then they had a loss against the Nuggets and quite the loss against the Thunder. Boston is 8-8. Eight and eight after a pretty blistering start um, pretty much since the beginning of December, they've been spinning their tires. Um, Michael, go to you first. Just what do you think about the Celtics over the past, I don't know, five days or 35 days, however you want to look at it? Yeah, it's it's funny that the Celtics play the Mavericks and, and Bulls uh, the next few games, just based on last night's loss that reminded me of early on the season, a lot of Mavericks games of just coming out slow to teams that you should beat. Um, like the Thunder, and just kind mm-hmm. of getting trounced. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Brogdon talked about it after the game, just kind of like just kind of t- trying to light a fire under the guys. Um, obviously, he's new to the team, uh, but you know, definitely a veteran presence um, to try to just lift these guys up and let them know that, like, even though they're you know first in the in the East right now, you gotta you gotta come out and play every night, even if it's against you know the lowly Thunder. Maybe not so lowly. I mean. To, yeah. to your comments, um, Brogdon said after, once they knew that Shea Gilgis Alexander was on the shelf because he was, um, I think he was ill, he said that the, the Celtics kind of uh, relaxed. And uh, I don't know, that's that's like the recipe for a trap game. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's pretty fr- pretty frustrating from a veteran team, but I suppose a January loss to the Thunder is, is bound to happen. Um Alex, what about you? Where are you at with this? Again, five, you can take it for five days. You can take it 35 days. Where are you at with the Celtics as of late? 
I mean, I would say overall, I'm still fairly optimistic on my outlook and have been for some time just by virtue of the Celtics, you know, having the great start that they have had. Um, I think I, I do want to talk about the Thunder game a little bit because I think to me that just speaks to this kind of idea that in the modern NBA, there is so much talent on any given night that you really just can't afford to like take a night off and expect to win. And that is true for the Celtics. It's true for the Nets. It's true for the Warriors. It's true for everybody. If you show up and don't intend to like actually play the game and don't intend to actually like get in that work out there, you're going to lose because the NBA has arguably never been more talented there are players on every single team, regardless of whether the stars are in or out, that can hurt you on a night-to-night basis. And, you know, I know the Thunder are no great shakes. They're obviously going to be probably at the bottom of the West um, come end of season. And Shea being out, that's probably their lone all-star candidate. You would think Celtics should be able to walk all over them. Well, if you show up and don't, you know, actually play and just expect to win on talent alone – you're going to lose. That's just kind of the nature of the NBA these days. Um, I do think that it was a pretty poor effort. The one thing that I will say is that I have noticed that in particular with, you know, the Celtics being uh, cooling off from their torrid pace at the beginning of the season, that Celtics fans are starting to get a little frustrated, a little antsy with regard to, you know, the team and kind of where it's headed Uh, and are in some cases suggesting pretty significant changes. Folks, uh, I got news for you. Those changes will not help the Celtics, and we'll get into this (laughs) later. The the big changes are not coming. They're not going to help the Celtics get drastically better. Um, What will help the Celtics and what would have helped the Celtics last night is if the guys, you know, decided to actually show up and give a shit. Um, I think last night's effort, last night's loss was, almost entirely effort-based. You can see the demeanor on the players, how they were kind of carrying themselves, you know, getting into kind of hissy fits and histrionics with the refs rather than actually like trying to play basketball. You know, and I think what it goes to show is that like, this team is really good, but, you know, mentally they have lapses. And I don't think that's something that you can pin on the coach. I don't think that's something that you can pin on like Brad Stevens for the roster building. That's just the players and they have to organize themselves better for games like this. I'm fairly confident that they will, you know, January doldrums are a real thing, but you know, if you roll out the ball expecting to win on talent alone, just because you have the all-stars, you're going to lose. That's the NBA now. Well, so let's, well, I was going to say, Justin, if we could pivot to the Denver game, because Denver has a roster cut above that Thunder roster, and the Celtics also lost that game. So to Alex's point, you know, maybe they got blitzes, blitz, they just weren't uh, awake at the wheel. But Denver, that seems like a game you get up for, and still the Celtics lost. What did you take away from that game? Well, I do want to say that I, I agree with Alex regarding the Oklahoma City game that you know, they're, you're going to lose games and the, the Thunder, as you were hinting, are a better team than I think people realize. They are, like, management does want them to lose. They have not gone out and done anything to replace the loss of Chet Holmgren. They are really working over their young guys to try to develop them. That is going to create a situation that's normally amenable to losing, but for whatever reason, 
uh, they smelled blood and we saw the result of it. It was very, very ugly. And I think one of the reasons why people are getting so angry is because it's very similar to a lot of the problems that we saw uh, at the beginning of last season and for some time before that. So I get it. But to put it into context that Alex was hinting at, uh, the Denver game, for example, this is the best team in the West right now, right? It is the one of the best, if not the best case, led by one of the best cases for MVP in, in Jokic right now. When you put all these things together, uh, it's just a couple of losses. Yes, they came all clustered together, and we didn't see this historic winning pace continue uh, that we did earlier in the season. But when it comes to the Denver game, they, they didn't quite play the way that they usually do compared to how they very much didn't in the Oklahoma City game. And a lot of what happened in the Denver game was a good team making them play the way they don't want to. So there's stuff to be concerned from from both of the of these two games, but for very different reasons. And this kind of like brings us more into some of the other issues, the structural issues I think we need to talk about. Sure. Mike, from your vantage point, um, maybe Alex, Jess, and I are a little too close to home. Um, do you think that this is the usual kind of growing pain a good team getting better goes through, or do you think this pretends something perhaps flawed about the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, I'm with Alex here on, I don't, it's not a, anything to seriously worry about. Um, I mean, the Celtics still have one of the best rosters in, in the league, probably the best one-two punch in, in Tatum and Brown. Um I really do think it is just kind of what Brogdon said. Once once they realized that Shea was out, you know, they kind of kind of a sigh of relief, you know, drop your shoulders and you're just like, oh, you know, we'll we'll get this one. Um, but when you know the Thunder came out and blitzed them, um, you know, it's another story. But you know, I think looking at the East right now, um, you know, Milwaukee's kind of slumping. You know, the Nets are obviously on their run. Um, but I mean, I really think that, that the Celtics are in a good spot. Um, I don't think it's too anything too drastic to worry about, you know, these last two games. Um, you definitely wish that they would get up more for uh, that Thunder game and definitely that Denver game, just, you know, potential you know, finals matchup of, of two really good teams. Um, but I think they're in a good spot, and I think it's just uh, an unfortunate loss, but but nothing uh, to get too worried about. Do you think, um, this is jumping the gun, but do you think between these, these Dallas and um, these Bulls games that, uh, Boston's ready to write the ship, or uh, do you think that the Celtics and Celtics fans should be weary of a team in the Mavs, you know, uh, at least Luca playing like the best in the world, and a team like the Bulls so desperate for any win they can get? Um, do you think Boston in the next five days writes the ship, or do you think that um, Justin, is there a game between the Mavs and the Bulls offhand? No. Uh, yes, San Antonio, I think. Oh, right. Thank you. Okay, maybe that's the one. So yeah, Mike, let's let's put on our uh, pull out our crystal ball between, and we'll we'll talk about these games in detail um, at the tail end of the pod. But um, Dallas, San Antonio, and Chicago. How do you think Boston fares in those three games? I think they fare pretty well. Um, with with Dallas, it'll be interesting. With um, you know, even though Dallas is on their this seventh game win streak. Um, you know, they've been out, they've been without three of their best defenders and, and Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney-Smith and Josh Green. So it'll be really interesting to see how Jason Kidd plans to defend both Tatum and Brown. Um, and likewise, it'll be interesting to see how Missoula plans to, to handle Luca, who's on a, you know, a historic streak right now. Um, and I think this is a big game on the Mavs 
point point of view uh, for Christian Wood, um, you know, going up against um, someone like Robert Williams um, and just, you know, trying to pull Williams away from the, from the basket. Um, Luca getting him in the, in the pick and roll. Um, I know whether it's Doncic or Dinwiddie, uh, Wood has been, you know, top of the league in pick and roll offense. Um, so that'll be a good one. And then honestly, I mean, the Bulls, the Bulls have played the, the Celtics pretty well the past two seasons. Um, and, you know, DeRozan has been a huge factor in that. Uh, we'll get into the, to, to the Bulls later on, but I just, I don't, I just don't know what to do with this Bulls team. Uh, they, <laughs> I mean, they're probably the, the most fascinating team uh, to watch leading up to uh, the trade deadline. Um, but I, I think the Celtics um, one way or another, they'll, I think they'll, they'll take that down the Bulls and, I'm really excited for the the matchup with the Mavs. Yeah. Um, one of the things that occurs to me looking at the Denver game and then the Thunder game, even though Boston lost to Denver, we saw Robert Williams effect uh, in the paint or specifically at the rim. Um, and then we saw without Robert Williams, uh, I think the Thunder scored historic uh, number of points in the paint against the Celtics. I mean, to go from your center who's literally ripping rims off of backboards to uh being like absolute Swiss cheese down low. It'll be really interesting. Um, I saw those stats too about uh, Christian Wood being part of two of the top 10 pick and roll uh, offensive efficiencies. I mean, I want to later pick your brain about whether or not they trade him, but um, for a simple offense, having it work really well, I think is is pretty dang good. Um, but let's put a pin in that for a second. Alex and Justin and, and Mike Hoppin, please, if you'd like, um, there's a little bit of chatter and even I am willing to do the thought experiment of wondering if Joe Missoula is uh, not the right man for the job. I think I'll jump the gun and say like, then who else? Like, I mean, what, what would you be moving on to? Um, but Justin, I'll go to you first. Like, what do you think of that chatter? I mean, it's loud enough that I think we're addressing it, not just because I posed it for a, a parenthetical. Well, I think we are approaching this like Philadelphia 76ers fans in some corners. Uh, no offense to the best of you, but some of you, quite a few of you, are very quick to murder anyone who doesn't, you know, meet the standards that that city, uh, you know, probably rightfully demands of their star players. And I think it is fair to be critical of lots of things that Mozilla is doing. Uh, we can get into some of those things. One of the big criticisms uh, that we should be probably talking about uh, is Brogdon uh, and how he's been playing or Hauser and how well he has been playing and how long both of them have been playing relative to other options that you could be putting on the floor. Uh, the whole timeout thing is beaten to death, but there is a, you know, a sliver of validity to it, though you know there really isn't any you know, strong evidence either way that Something like calling a timeout at a particular moment is or is not going to be more effective than you know the the what you can instill in a player by letting them work through a situation on their own. Uh, I think it's fair to you know granularly criticize Mozilla about specific things, but look at where the team is, look at how they're playing most nights, and tell me you are going to find a better coach and tell me who they are because I don't believe you. Yeah, maybe, I mean maybe in season. Also, I don't know that I mean, the Thunder game, the Thunder shot 20 of 40 from three, and they were contested threes. Like it was as much as the Celtics, you know, pooped the bed. The Thunder at the game of the season for, for OKC. Um, I, I don't know that a, a coach at, you know, like the media timeout, the second quarter turns that around. I think you got to tip your hat a little bit to the Thunder. Um, Alex, Justin brought up a couple things, Missoula, but then also 
Uh, is Brogdon being used well enough? Is Hauser's slump uh, something that's going to thaw or not? Anything about what could be changed you think is most uh, pertinent? Um, well, in terms of changes, I mean, I think the thing that I want to jump in and say right off the bat is what should not be changed. And um, I'm just going to I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive than JQ there. Um, it would be an idiotic move to fire Joe Missoula. Like if you actually think that removing Joe Missoula from the Celtics will make this team better, I'm sorry, but I just can't take your basketball take seriously. That's just a ridiculous statement. Um, removing Joe Missoula from the Celtics co- coaching position less than a year after Ime Udoka and all of the scandal that came with him in the offseason would be a catastrophically short-sighted and stupid decision. Three coaches in one year, what are you doing? That's the type of shit that like um, the vintage heyday Sacramento Kings would be doing. <laughs> this is not a David Blatt situation where you fire him and then immediately Ty Lue is right there to step up and he's on the exact same stick page as LeBron James, who basically controls the franchise. It's, it would be just an incredibly short-sighted and stupid move. So I am really tired of after every single loss seeing on Twitter Celtics fans jumping in and saying, got to get Missoula out of here. You're wrong. That's stupid. Don't do that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, here's the thing. Missoula has not been perfect. Like no NBA coach ever is in this. It's a really, really hard job for a reason. And there's not a lot of people who can actually do it. Um, but He has done, I think, a much better job than I frankly expected. His offense really works well when guys aren't dogging it, when guys trust each other to make the right play, when the offense doesn't get bogged down in isolation possession after isolation possession, and when it's not kind of predictable. Now, it might be the case that Missoula is, um, at least from a scheme perspective, not pressing the right levers now or that he's you know the plays that he's drawing up aren't getting executed well enough but I'm not putting that on on him so much as the players who I think are in some ways taking their foot off the gas a little bit after this hot start and that happens in the NBA like in January teams start to you know kind of look ahead to the postseason they start to look ahead to all-star break they start to kind of get into this place where they're not going all out on a night-to-night basis in the same way that they would be at, say, the start of the season when they really want to start hot. That is a thing that happens. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I, I want to recognize that, like, there, you know, there's precedent for this. And, you know, like, even last year with the championship Warriors, there were times during, you know, the kind of winter stretches where the Warriors, and particularly after Steph Curry got hurt, where the Warriors looked like they were kind of slumping a little bit. And you know what they did? After a few games, they righted the ship, they got back to what made them good, and they were right back on track. I think that's eminently possible with the Celtics going forward. I have a lot of confidence that that will happen. Part of this is also just math, like they're not hitting shots that they used to hit. Um, I do think the one thing that from a changing, like from a big change perspective might actually make an impact is I do think it's time to think about putting Robert Williams back in the starting lineup. Um, I think that last year they really unlocked something special with his threat as a vertical spacer um, and with the ability to kind of switch one through five and have that kind of athleticism uh, on their lineup. And it, it took some pressure off of Horford, who I've noticed, you know, last couple of games in particular has kind of been wearing down a little bit. 
Um, I also think that that would help the bench a little bit to put White back on that kind of bench spark plug role, uh, particularly to kind of give him more chances to uh, initiate offense with second units uh, and with Tatum on the floor in particular. So if, if there's changes that I think could be made, um, that might help the Celtics win. I think the big one, the obvious one is it might be time to start Rob again, but um, I would caution heavily against the notion that like drastic changes such as trading players or firing the coach would help this team. I think that if anything, it would do the opposite. Yeah. The only, the, the, I, I also suspect that I'll start Rob eventually. Um, I've said this before. I would really like to see Brogdon and Rob Williams crack into that hyper-efficient pick and roll game action that uh, Mike gets to enjoy down in Dallas. Mike, where are you, by the way? Are you in Dallas? I'm in Dallas. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I think Brogdon and, and Rob could open that game up, but also starting Rob doesn't stink either. Let's do this. Let's pause the action. Let's talk about a sponsor uh, near and dear to our hearts, and then we'll hop into the lab, and then we actually have a bonus lab after that where we'll talk to Mike specifically about Dallas and specifically about the Bulls. Um, so let me pause the action and talk to you about our friends over at betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting this season. They've got everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and World Cup. You'll always find the latest odds and team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. And if you head to betonline.ag today, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive that reward. Bet Online, where the game starts. Anyways, we're going to talk about the All-Star game. I Anyone hop in and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the following to be true. That we will get the first round of fan voting January 20th. So about two weeks from today. And the starters are voted on by the fans. Um, Anyone see anything wrong with that uh, assumption? Cool. Maybe that date is wrong, but it's not like tomorrow. It's later January. So what we're going to do is we're going to predict the all-star starters. Um, I certainly built my teams around what I think the fans will vote for, um, not necessarily who deserves it. And that will become abundantly clear when I reveal one of my guards. Um, but Mike, as our guest, why don't you kick it off? Uh, give us your whole East lineup. We're just doing starters so we can move through these reasonably quick. Um, the, the formula's two guards and three front court players. Yeah, looking at it this year, I feel like this year out of any, it's it just yells, it just screams that there needs to be fluidity and get rid of the positions. Because I mean the fact the fact that one of Giannis, uh, MB, JT, and and KD aren't going to be starting is just nuts. Um, but with that said, I went with uh, Embiid, uh, Tatum, and Durant in the front court and then Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown in the backcourt. And did you pick Jalen Brown because you're a guest on the Celtics Lot podcast or is that your honest pick? No, that's my honest pick. I mean, looking at the other options, it's like you have guys like Trey Young and, and DeMar DeRozan, but you know, they're just not on teams that are near the top of the East um, and really just aren't on contending teams. Um, really the other, only other option um to me was was probably Kyrie Irving um but I went with I went with Jalen um just the two-way uh ability and being 
at the top of the East um, with the best record. Uh, that's that's where uh, I, I lean toward Brown. Um, I'll hop in there right now just because you, you teased it. I think I, I think Kyrie is going to make it um, as an all-star starter because it's a, a fan vote. Uh, I think it is possible that the NBA cooks the books on this one and maybe they ought to. Um, but just looking at how fan voting has worked last year, the first round of voting last year, LaMarcus Aldridge playing for the Brooklyn Nets was ninth in front court voting. Um, it is not a great sample. The fans get it wrong. And if looking at the guards for the East last year, DeRozan was number one at the first round of voting. Um, deservedly, I don't think that's going to happen again. Harden was number two, perhaps deservedly. Don't think that's going to happen again. Uh, Trey Young is uh, going to be I think in this mix for the same reason that he's a really popular guy, whether or not he deserves it, he's number three, then Levine, LaMelo Ball. I don't think that they're going to get it. And there's Kyrie. And I think Kyrie fans are really passionate people. And I'm, he is playing well. I think it would stink if he was, became an all-star this season for obvious reasons. But um, Mike, I think you're right that like, it's a short list of guards in the East. And I would contend that just like the way the formulas work, it's going to be Kyrie Irving. Um, but I much prefer to see Jalen Brown there. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. I mean, to jump in here, like, I mean, yeah, we have to remember that last year, you know, Andrew Wiggins was voted a starter. So yeah. literally anything can happen. Um, so, I mean, we'll just have to see uh, when those fan votes come in. I'm voting for Zaza Pachulia for all five positions. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, who hopefully is yeah. Technology is working again. Uh, you have the same okay. same East starters as Mike. Anything Mike missed quickly about uh, that qu- uh, quintet? Quintet. I mean, I think it's pretty. It's you know, I, I I agree with the team obviously, and I think that you know Mitchell Brown, Tatum, KD, and B. Those are all rock solid cases. Any one of them would be deserving All Star starters. Um, I, you know, obviously the fan vote is something to consider, and for that reason, I do think that Kyrie and Giannis also have pretty strong chance to be here. Giannis, of course, has such a huge international following, and I think that that could ultimately be something that puts him over the top uh, in that voting. Um, and, you know, Kyrie, I think there, there are some really intense Kyrie Irving fans out there. And obviously, you know, he's a wildly popular player for his own reasons. Um, I do think that one of the things that kind of does get weighted into this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that uh, the starters are voted on, like it's mostly fan vote, but that there's also a uh, media vote. And um, is that part of that? I think that's right. No. Uh, back check. Sorry, I clicked the camera off button to the YouTube crowd. We're a mess tonight. Um, <laughs> no, I, fault, I, I moved. I think you are right though about that, Alex. I, I think I think that the media also gets some percentage of the vote. Um, and that I think will ultimately be what could potentially swing that towards Embiid and Jalen Brown in particular. Uh, I just feel like those two guys are having such spectacular seasons that it's going to be really hard to ignore them. But I mean, hey, you know, if the Brooklyn Nets win tonight and the Celtics continue to be uh, kind of slumping here, then the Brooklyn Nets are probably going to enter the all-star break as the number one seed. So the one seed should have two all-stars argument could look a little different. You're saying Nick Claxton? Yeah, right. Exactly. Justin, um, you have a slightly different team um, and I suspect... Uh, we you have Yon- 
you have Giannis. Well, no, I have an, another reason why it's Giannis. But um, anything you want to say about your team? Well, you tell you you no, you say yours because like Alex noted, there's going to be a huge international community voting for Giannis, and I think that that is going to give him the edge over Embiid, who does have a substantial international uh, uh, fandom as well. So actually, the reason that Giannis Antetokounmpo was going to be an All Star starter this year is because he is one of the faces of the new season of Fortnite. And I say that tongue in cheek, but I have been talking to my students about this and they are, they are genuinely pumped to play Fortnite as Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and teenagers vote for all-star games much more than old schmoes like us or old schmoes on the south side of Philly. Um, so I think Giannis is going to get the Fortnite bump in the same way that, um, who got the K-pop bump last year? Was it Clay? Or no, it was Wiggins. Wiggins got the K-pop bump. Um, so yeah, anything could happen, but I suspect that Kyrie Irving is going to get the cult of Kyrie Irving bump. And I think Giannis is going to get the Fortnite bump. Um, but I think we are all in agreement. Jason Tatum is a lock. Coming to rant is a lock. Um, and we all have Donovan Mitchell. Um, and that was probably... I mean, come, there's no way that Donovan Mitchell is not going to be a starter after dropping 71 against the Bulls yeah. the other night. That's, that is a locked in. He's a starter and he might've just bought himself first team all NBA with that performance. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was just going to say it was probably the most surprising at the beginning of the season, but yeah, no, that um, that was an all-star performance, I'll say that much. Um, all right, well, then let's move to the West, where uh, a lot of, well, I'll say the team, the ones that we have in common, <laughs> if you can believe it, we have Luca, right? Everyone knows Luca. Yes, we all have Luca. Um, we all have the Joker. We all have LeBron. And we all have Zion. Am I right about this? So there's a little bit of wiggle room for the second guard spot, but we all think Luke is going to make it, which, come on, we're right about that. We all think LeBron's going to make it. That's probably a fan voting thing, but reasonably deserve it. Um, Jokic, I mean, ostensibly the MVP again, definitely deserves it, definitely going to make it. I think Zion, we, we're leaning on the fan thing there, but probably deserves bit. it. All right, I think um, there's a caveat there, though, which is that Zion is now slated to miss a little bit of time. So that could potentially affect this, but ultimately I think the fan vote will carry him. Sure. So, Mike, then uh, tell us who your fifth West All-Star starter, the second guard you have is, and why. So I went with Ja over Steph, um, mm-hmm. really just based on you know Memphis being um, atop of the West um, and with, with Steph you know missing missing time here. Um, I know it was reported today that he's looking at coming back in the next um, week and a half or so. Uh, but, but I mean, it's kind of the same thing as Kyrie. Like, you know, Steph is, you know, one of the most popular players in the world. And he's going to get the fan vote regardless if he's playing or not. Um, but I do think Ja is kind of like, like for the kids, he, he's kind of the new Kyrie, just maybe less culty. Um so, but I, less, I think less YouTube University. Yes, there we go. Um, yeah, I think I think just with um, I guess based on the media vote uh, more so with how good Memphis is playing this year and with Steph's injury, uh, I think that puts Jaw in the starting lineup. Um, I think we all have either Jaw or Curry. Um, anyone want to make the case uh, one way or the other that it's not going to be that? Um, yeah, so it's. 
it's 50% for fans and then players and media uh, each count for a quarter of the voting. Um, to that end, I think he's going to be injured for too long. Devin Booker is very popular. Um, I think there's a world where even though he's injured, he is high on the fan vote list. Um, so when those those votes come out uh, in the next few weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if he and Curry are high, if not atop the list, the way, the way they were last year, even though they've been injured or they are injured. Um, anyone else on any of the starters or anything like that, I suspect a member of the Jazz will make it because the Jazz are overperforming and the game is in Utah. Um, no, I would not as a starter, but no, not as a starter. Um, but while we're marketing, right. might make a case, might make a case to make the, the all star team. He's playing well enough, I think, right now. But is it going to be sustained all the way through? I think it's going to be the case. He's starting to show some cracks. Yeah. Um, although the other kids, yeah, his numbers have been good lately. Yeah. Yeah. How about our guy Sabonis, Alex? Oh, he's making it. Um, I think he has an outside shot to make the starting lineup just because the beam team thing is real. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, that front court is stuffed. Like, how can you argue against Jokic, Zion, and LeBron? Um, like, I, I think Sabonis is a lock to make the team. I would be surprised if he's a starter. I mean, um, yeah, my... um, I think the player that I'm really fascinated to see is, is Shea, just because. Fan fan vote wise, he might not get a lot of love just because you're looking at you know Luca, Steph, Lillard, Ja, Devin Booker. Oh, Lillard! Just yeah. like those are those are guys who are you know top of the league when it comes to popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Shea, you know, I I think he's going to get the media a lot of media love and player love. I just wonder where he falls uh, when it comes to uh, getting a reserve spot. Well, I forgot about Dame. Yeah, Dame's going to burst into the scene because. A lot of people like, damn. Well, this is both more boring and more fascinating of a prompt than I think I realized. Um, all right. Well, let us know on Twitter or in the comments what you think of our all-star teams. Um, and let's go further into the lab. <laughs> Justin, you called the bust out the microscope. I think that's cute. Um, Mike, again, you cover the Bulls for Bulls Wire and you cover the Mavs for SI's DallasBasketball.com. Um so we're going to look at both of those teams. We'll start with Dallas because Celtics play them Thursday night. Um, we're recording Wednesday night. Um, and we're going to start with Luca. Luca, I'll t- this is a little mean, but whatever. The Ringers hollow Luca bit was so lame that it, it, it was corny. It was corny. Yeah, not even like endearingly corny, Her just family. corny. Um, good. Glad, glad we're on the same page there. Uh, I kind of did, didn't like the Luca hype for a little bit. Um, but then you watch him play basketball and it's like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, so Mike, uh, it's it's a little cliche, but like talk us through how you see the MVP race this year. I mean, with Luca firmly in the mix, but also uh our friend Jason Tatum is also right there. Yeah, I mean, I it's I think it's it's gonna be, I mean, it's, I think it's a five-man race. You know, you look at like you said, Luca Tatum, um, and then you got Jokic, Giannis, and, and Embiid. Um, I feel like Embiid's is going to end up being the odd man out of those mm-hmm. five. Um, and Jokic, I mean, I mean, he's playing better than he than he yeah. did the past two years when he won. It's just, you know, there's – you think that it's hard to win back-to-back. It's almost – you think it's impossible that media would vote him three times. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, if if Denver's going to be, you know, the best team in the West, um, I think it would be hard not to. Um, with Luca, I really it it really just depends on on where they're at in the standings. Yeah. Um, you know, they finished fourth last year. They're fourth right now as we're looking at it. Um, you know, who knows where the Pelicans will be uh, in a few weeks with Zion being out. Uh, maybe the Mavs can can jump up to to two or three. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, I think it'll come down to to probably Jokic or, or Tatum. Um, I just believe more in in Boston being atop of the East than the Mavs making a run at, you know, a one or two seed. Sure. Well, that's a good segue to our next question. Um, so the Mavs lost Jalen Brunson, um, obviously. Maxi Cleaver has been hurt. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith has been hurt. Um, and, yeah, they're in fourth place in a pretty crowded West. Um, for predominant, I mean, as I assume our listeners are predominantly Celtics fans. Um they may not have, you know, watched the Mavericks all that much this season. How is it that the Mavs have managed fourth seed in the West other than the aforementioned pick and roll, which is a big part of their game? Yeah, I mean, this seven-game win- winning streak, um, it has been during the weakest part of their schedule um, throughout the entire season. So, um, you know, looking at, you know, they were 15 and 16 um, at, at the start of, or like end of November, and I – you know, fans are panicking and it's kind of like you talked about how, you know, fans calling for Missoula's head Mavs fans are the same way with Jason Kidd, um, mm-hmm. you know, complaining about his rotations and timeouts. And, um, but I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, sitting at 15, 16, I was like, man, do we need to start looking at trying to keep that top 10 protective pick, you know, from the Knicks? Um, but I mean, it's really just, it's been all Luca. I mean, when you're playing at this high of a level, um even with those guys out um it's just it's been amazing it it's uh, and it's honestly like like seeing how well he's playing it it scares you to think like this can't be you know sustainable right yeah you know because if he's playing at you know the level he played at say last year the beginning of the season it's like this team's not good enough to to get past these top teams in the west let alone you know get to the finals um yeah like we mentioned earlier you know the the chemistry he's, he's built with christian wood has been um, really nice. Um, I know, you know, the the extension decision is coming up. Um, well, whether to extend him, I know Mark Stein reported today that uh, they have started uh, talks with with Christian Wood and his and his agent. So that's promising um, with how well he's played. I think if you asked anyone a month ago, every you would everyone would say that he's getting traded, no doubt. Uh, but with how, how well he's played, specifically how well he's defended the rim uh, during this stretch, um, makes you think that he might he might be uh, getting extended in the next few weeks. What do you think his relationship with Jason Kidd is like? I know that it was uh, not tumultuous, but like non-existent uh, over the summer. Muted. Technical difficulties. Muted. <laughs> their, yeah, their relationship is muted. <laughs> It is. It it is. It is. Uh, Kid is. Kid's just an an odd. Like when you listening to him talk in in press conferences and and being around him at practice and stuff, he he just seems like an odd guy to to like build a relationship with. Um, But it seems like all all the players love him. Um, And with Wood, I don't know if it was when the Mavs traded for him. Did did Kid just not see it? Uh, Did he just see a 
a big man who can't defend the rim. And, you know, obviously he had an affinity to, to Kleba. Um, you know, Dwight Powell's not, um, you know, by no means, um, you know, protecting the rim at, a, at an elite level, but he does all the small things. Um, yeah. You know, he gives you 110% effort every night. Him and Luca have a great chemistry. Um, but I think, I think kid had to swallow his pride and, you know, look at the, look at the advanced stats and see how good the Mavs were with him on the floor with Luca or even with, with him and, and Dinwiddie. Um, and, you know, Wood's proven himself right. And he's proven kid wrong. in these in these last, you know, eight to 10 games with, I think he's, he has two or more blocks in I think nine of the last 10 games, uh, including five against the Rockets the other night. So, I mean, I think whether their relationship is good or not, you know, kid knows what's best for the team now during this streak. And it's, it's playing wood, you know, 30 to 34 minutes a game. Yeah. I mean, he's athletic enough to run with Luca. So I think the word that you keep coming back to chemistry is, is one that probably matters the most. Um, let's go around the dial and just like look ahead at this uh, Mav Celtics game. Mike, I'll, I'll start with you, but then Alex and Justin, I'll, I'll pick your brains. Um, who do you have winning this game? And give me a, a key or two to that outcome. So Mike, Celtics at Mavericks Thursday night. Is it TNT game? It is, yeah. Yeah, better. Um, I've got the Celtics. I've got the Celtics uh, bursting the Mavs bubble, ending the seven-game streak. Um, I really think this is the game where, you know, the loss of Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba come into play. Um, you know, their length, trying to guard someone like Tatum, um, is going to hurt a lot. And, you know, that, that puts Reggie Bullock probably on Tatum. Um, who does that put on Brown? Like, is it Tim Hardaway? Cause that's an issue, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the Celtics more than almost any team in the league have, have more guys to throw at Luca, you know, not saying that anyone's going to solely stop Luca, but you, the Celtics have that many more looks to give him, whether it's smart, Derek white Brown Tatum, you know, a switch off Williams isn't the end of the world. Um, so, you know, I got the Celtics getting the win on the road and, um, you know, kind of igniting the Celtics um, going forward. All right, not bad. Uh, Alex, what do you see from this Dallas-Boston game on Thursday? I think for me, the big factor is will Robert Williams be healthy? He's currently listed as available. Um, Mm -hmm. If he's on the floor, then I like the Celtics' chances. Um, I just feel like his athleticism adds a dimension that without Dallas's um, kind of wing defense from Finney Smith and – without uh, their ability to really space the floor with five out lineups with Kleba in there. Um, I, I do think Rob's athleticism is a matchup problem for Dallas. I think there's also definitely a world where Dallas wins this game. Um, and the thing that kind of is, I'm looking for is how will the Celtics defend uh, Luka Doncic in isolation? Because uh, if there's one kind of flaw in the Celtics defense this year it's been that they're not particularly good against ISO heavy ball handlers like Luka Doncic Um, and one of the things that I've noticed in that matchup in the past is that the Celtics have a tendency to bring late doubles as a kind of staple of their defense uh, and Luka will shred those late doubles particularly um, if he's in good communication with, you know, Kristen Wood or has, you know, shooters available, he's been just so, so good at dicing those uh, to bits. So I, I will be very interested to see 
how they attack him from a defensive standpoint. I expect to see a lot of Derek White. I expect to see a lot of Robert Williams. And if both of those guys are on the floor, healthy, productive, then uh, I, I like the Celtics' chances. Doctor, too much to add. Yeah, sorry, getting ahead of myself. Um, ironically, I do agree that defense is going to be key to Celtics' three here. I think that there will be a tendency for the Celtics to want to show that they can individually demonstrate the offense they start out the season with. It could end up being their Achilles heel if they do lose this game. I think that's going to be what causes it. Uh, not playing the right way, too much iso ball, not moving the ball, and not defending. Really, that is the, the one way that with so many people who are key to defending for Dallas going to be out for this game. Uh, letting Luka get white hot is a very real possibility if they don't bring the same kind of defense they need to to stop him. So I think that's going to be aspect for me in this game yeah it's still early enough in the season that stats are not there's not great statistical significance backing some of these stats but um something that i'm worried about for boston and, and i think ultimately has me thinking dallas is going to win is that dallas is the number two three-point defense in the league um they allow the second fewest three points uh by an opponent they allow i think the third uh lowest three-point percentage they're very good on the perimeter Boston has slipped to ninth in three point percent. I mean, they've been really cold really since the start of December, but they're still second in attempts. So Boston's offense is still very heavily predicated on shooting threes and they just haven't been making them. And a good way of getting out of a shooting slump is not playing one of the best three point uh, defensive teams in the league. So uh, I do think that the aforementioned injuries to Dallas will make it a little bit harder for them to, you know, rotate out and all of that. But um, I, I am worried that Boston's shooting woes are going to be on display. Uh, the Celtics might have the depth to grind Dallas out here, um, but I wouldn't want to get into a running match with any team that Luka is on, whether or not their players are in or out. So I think, unfortunately, I, I suspect Dallas is going to win this game, uh, unfortunately, for the Celtics. Mike, you also cover the Bulls, luckily enough, um, for USA Today. Um, I guess, as do I, in theory. <laughs> Let's talk about where the Bulls are at because the Celtics are going to be back home uh, facing Chicago on Monday, January 9th, an NBA TV game. Everyone clear your calendars. Um, Mike, you, you mentioned, I mean, the, the Celtics fans have seen the Bulls a little bit here, um, but not, uh, not in a few weeks. Where are the Bulls at right now? Um, you know, what's the state of, give us the state of the union for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Bulls are still trying to figure out how they let one man score seventy one points, um, and but yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because you know, as up and down as the Bulls have been so far this season, they've played well against the Celtics. You know, winning two of three of the matchups so far. Um, I think that speaks to their three point shooting in those two wins. Um, I think I believe it was forty eight percent in the first one, forty seven in the second. So. Um, you know, they've made their threes against the Celtics so far um, this season. DeRozan has, has played the Celtics well. I feel like DeRozan's just a frustrating player to defend just because he's kind of an anomaly when it comes to, um, you know, playing the, playing in the mid-range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Celtics will get up for this one. Um, like I said, you know, I predicted that they would beat the Mavericks. And, you know, looking at their schedule, um, 
you know, they have a favorable schedule following the, the Mavericks game, kind of leading up to a, a TNT game against the the Nets uh, next weekend or next week. Um, so I think it'll be another another win for the Celtics uh, against a, a frustrating team in the Bulls to watch um, and, and one to one to watch certainly with the, the trade deadline coming up. Where do you think that the Bulls are at with? Um, I mean, I don't think there's any news on Lonzo. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, yeah, nothing. They're they're 11th in the East at the time of this recording. Like, what do you think the front office expects of this team between now and the trade deadline and beyond? Or is that like no one has an answer to that? <clears throat> I just I just can't fathom that they're sitting there thinking that you know potentially winning in the play-in and earning a a first round you know, series against the Celtics, Nets, or Bucks is a good idea. You know, it's like you win one game, maybe, mm-hmm. and then you're sitting home, you know, a week a week later than the rest of the league. I, I mean, but, you know, but also they've, you know, they've ran off a, a little streak of wins uh, before, prior to the, the Cleveland loss. Um, they just have to sit down and, and figure out who they are and what they want to be just because when it comes to Vucevic's you know, expiring contract. So like, is he a, a winning center in this league? I don't think so, mm-hmm. you know, and, but also what's, what's the, what's the price for, for Vooch um, on an expiring um, and, you know, with DeRozan and, and the, the Levine rumblings, it's, it's just a weird situation of just kind of a mediocrity. And um, I think trying to, even if they, you know, with, could would, would they be able to lose enough to to get that top four protected pick back? Maybe you know it's probably slim, but even if you you enter the lottery with like the sixth best chance, it's still better than than ending up in the play-in and losing and going home in in late April opposed to mid-April. So I think I think it's time to blow it up. It's start, time to start over. Um, you know, you either want to be at the top of the league or the bottom. You don't want to be in the middle. I think the idea of selling off some assets, even if you aren't necessarily going to to really have any threat of making the playoffs, will probably be a better idea than hang on to pieces that aren't working, aren't really part of your future. Uh, Maybe there's some core guys. Maybe maybe you won't get enough, for example, like Levine having some questions about his knee being – know super stable considering the size of what's owed to him still uh but there's a lot of other guys around the margins uh javante green uh if you want to tell us uh what what, is there any possibility to let go of javante green Celtics fans want to know i think that i think that's a guy that contenders would be calling about for sure it feels like i know he's he's injured right now but anytime he's on the court i'm like why why does he not play more minutes than patrick williams Um, I, you know, I get the, the mysterious, the mysterious ceiling that yeah. is Patrick Williams, but green just, he just, man, he, he gives it all he's got. He's all over the place. I mean, that's, that's a dude that, that you want on, on a playoff team, yeah. whether he's playing five minutes or 20 minutes, it's, he's probably going to be a positive. Yeah. And he's also very good friends with Jason Tatum and that, that matters. Um, I don't know what Jason Tatum's relationship with Justin Jackson Jr. or Luke Cornett is, but um, I know that he's friends with with Green. Um, let's talk about this Bulls game that's coming up on Monday, but just while I have the schedule in front of me, Boston, um, 
then we'll go on to play uh, New Orleans at home and then a game against Brooklyn and then a few bunnies. But um, if Mike is right, maybe the Celtics will be riding a three-game win streak um, before two tough tilts. Um, Mike, first of all, um, as we reach the tail end of our time together, tell the people where they can find you, but then also uh, give us your prediction for Monday's game. Yeah, you can find me uh, on Bulls Wire covering the Bulls. You can find me on DallasBasketball.com covering the Mavericks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Mulf, M-U-L-F. Um, and for Monday, I got the Celtics. Cool. Uh, the, the fans were quick to boo the Celtics when they started losing to the Magic, so <laughs> I think the fans hope that you're right. Um, uh, Alex, tell us about Monday. It, I mean, it better be the Celtics, man. Like two of the Celtics' most embarrassing losses this year have come at the hands of the Bulls in two totally winnable games. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they'll get up for this one. Uh, this team has gotten punked by DeMar DeRozan in the past. It is He is a real matchup problem for them. But like, come on, guys, don't lose to the Bulls. Honestly, if you ranked Celtics killers, Luka and uh, DeRozan are right up there. Yeah. With, um, the, the Wagner boys. Um, Justin. Oh, Alex. Sorry, Justin. One sec. Alex, uh, plug the Divine Sweater shows. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to start by actually plugging. Um, so first off, if you liked the song that you heard at the top of this podcast, that's my band, Divine Sweater. And we are releasing a new song on January 17th. And one thing that you can do that would help us out a lot if you like that song is pre-save that song on whatever you're listening in, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, whatever streaming service you're using. If you pre-save that song, that will help us get onto playlists, curated playlists that will help spread our songs far and wide. And if you like that song a lot and you want to come see us, we're going to be playing two shows, one on January 21st at the Mercury Lounge in Brooklyn, or I guess that's in New York City, not Brooklyn, but even so. Uh, and then at O'Brien's the following weekend in Boston for all of you Boston fans, come on out. It'll be a really good show. We're excited to see it. I believe Brooklyn is in New York City, but whatever. <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Quinn, tell us about Monday and I don't know, plug something. Plug something. Uh, Celtics Wire, you probably are a regular reader if you are a regular listener. If you're not, you should be. Uh, on Monday, they will win, but it will be in overtime because we like to screw around when we see the Celtics playing the Bulls. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I th- I bet the Celtics, between, look, between Dallas, San Antonio, and this Chicago game, the, the warts are not going to go away. The, the bad version of the Celtics team is going to come out. Um it would be most funny against the Spurs. It would be most consequential against uh, the... Actually, I don't know what it would be most consequential against uh, from a moral perspective, probably Dallas. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel so bad for the Bulls. I mean, Mike, to your point, I'll let you go. Now I'm just rambling. I think they should blow it up too. I, I think the point that like they just built it is salient, but like the Lonzo thing is so unfortunate. The They slowed down just a little bit last season. So unfortunate. It's just really bad luck and I don't know. It stinks. Um, but I like this Bulls team when it when it works. Anyways, I think the Celtics will win. I'll say it over time just for intrigue. And um, I'll plug going on to Spotify and liking and subscribing to this podcast if you haven't already. Um, all right. The Molf, huh? That is the uh, nickname, Molf, yeah. New to me. Um, I'm trying to get Mr. T going because no one can say tough to buy. Um, all right, Molf. Uh, Mike Mulford, 
of Bullswire, ostensibly one of my bosses, um, and DallasBasketball.com. Thank you for stopping by. What a, the stars have like, I don't know if the Celtics will play the Mavs and the Bulls in <laughs> uh, a four-game stretch or a three-game stretch anytime soon. But um, if they do, we'll give you a call. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.